Alrighty, go ahead and make your way back to your seats. And if you are already there, open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. If you are visiting with us this morning, welcome. Since the beginning of the new year, we have been in a series on transformation. The word is metamorphosis. The word picture that we've been looking at for the first three months of the year has been uh, the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly and the process of metamorphosis. And uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 have been our key verses. So let's turn there. Romans 12, 1 and 2. All right. Let's go ahead and read, as we've been doing the last few weeks, let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 together. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sorry, there's something back here. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You. Thank You as we gather on this Easter Sunday. We thank You for Your Word once again. And we have been looking very intently at this transformation process, this metamorphosis, and what that means practically as believers. Lord, you don't call us just to be good and happy, but you call us to be godly and holy in a very practical way. And so, Father, now as we look at transformation in light of the resurrection, Lord, would you bring the understanding to our hearts and minds, and then, Lord, bring the application. But we know it's in the hearing and the doing of Your Word that we are transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. So we love You. We thank You for Your Word. And we yield and submit now to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. So we have been in this series on transformation, metamorphosis, right? And you saw the slide that's been up where this caterpillar goes through all these different stages and ultimately becomes something completely new, right? And, and the point of the last three months together is for us to really, really let that truth sink in that when you put your faith in Jesus, you enter into a supernatural transformative process. And for many, that has been a bit challenging, I think, even back, because many of us may have thought that when you put your faith in Christ, well, now I'm just supposed to be a good moral person. I'm just supposed to be better than I was. And if we're not careful, we make some external improvements in our life, and we clean up our life, and we kind of see God do some things, and then we plateau because we sort of become complacent in the truth that, well... I'm better than I was. And, and, and then we start to just sort of measure our, our godliness and holiness according to a scorecard, according to some external behaviors, do's and don'ts. 
when all along we are called to be godly and holy. We are to exercise ourselves unto godliness. And this metamorphosis is a supernatural process. And how long will it last? As long as we're on this planet, right? So turn to the person next to you and just say, God's not done with me yet. Just, just, God's not done with me yet. Right? Right? God's not, how many of you are thankful that God's not done with you yet? Right? And so we have to give ourselves grace as we progress. We're still, still progressive. It's called progressive sanctification. But we have to give ourselves grace. And we have to give the person next to us grace. So turn to them and smile. And give them grace as they go through the transformation process. And as I was thinking about Good Friday and Easter, I was like, Lord, thank you. Because the question of the day was, does the resurrection matter? Does the resurrection matter today? Right now, in in Easter's past, we've looked at the apologetics or the defense of the historical nature of the resurrection. Because here's here's the thing, guys. You know, we've talked about beliefs and convictions. As a believer, you have to believe and settle the issue that the resurrection happened in the timeline of Earth's history. See that you have to drive that stake in the ground. Because the Bible is very clear in what it says if the resurrection didn't happen. Okay, so so how many of you are familiar with the word the gospel? Right? What does gospel mean? Good news. Okay, someone brave enough to tell me what is the gospel? Okay, I know it's good news, but what is the good news? Thank you, Ernie. What is the good news? Jesus Christ came to save me from my sins. He died and rose again. He's risen. Right? How many of you, and, and, and uh, those are all good answers, how many of you tend to say when I ask you what is the good news, what is the gospel, you say, well, Jesus died for you. The good news is, hey, I have good news. Jesus Christ died for you. How many of us tend to just stop there? That's not the full gospel. Okay. Okay. See, this is very important right off the bat here. If we're going to be in metamorphosis, it's by the renewing of our minds, right? And last week we saw in 2 Timothy 3.16 that he's given us God's Word. God's Word is profitable for teaching, for rebuking and correcting. What is rebuking? Exposing error. Needing correction, right? Even with the Gospel in relation to resurrection, we might need some correcting. We might need some correcting and that may have already been impacting your, your, your metamorphosis process because look at 1 Corinthians 15. One book to your right. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, we'll read starting in verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. Oftentimes, when we say, what's the good news? And we say, Jesus died for you. That's incomplete. That's Good Friday. If you're going to share the good news with somebody... You have to share that he died, was buried, and rose again. Why is that? Look down. Keep going down. 1 Corinthians, uh, the same chapter. Look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your what? sins so the gospel is that jesus christ died he was buried and he rose because according to first corinthians 15 if he didn't resurrect we got to go home and set up for the final four we're wasting our time guys according to the apostle paul if the resurrection did not happen we're wasting our time here it's futile. In fact, the, the, the passage says we're to be pitied. <laughs> Those people over there on 105 East Topatopa, they think that resurrection thing didn't happen. What a bunch of fools. That's what that verse says. If the resurrection did not happen, preaching is futile. You're still in your sin. This is useless. Let's go home, fire up the barbecue, and wait for the basketball games to start. If the resurrection didn't happen, we have, to, we have to settle that. You have to settle that. That has to be a conviction of your heart. It's not mythology. It's not legend. You've got to believe. You've got you to drive that stake in the ground that in the timeline of Earth's history, a historical, a miraculous, supernatural event happened. Jesus Christ was crucified. He died. He was buried. And He was resurrected. That's the gospel message we preach. And you've got to sell that right at the front end or else it can affect your whole transformation process, your metamorphosis, because your foundation is shaky. And like I said before, in other Easter's, we've, we've looked at the, you know, the, the defense of the resurrection and how can I settle that issue historically and we don't have, we're not have time to do that this this. Sunday, but I encourage you, if you've never settled that issue, why do you believe that the resurrection actually happened in the historical timeline of earth? Why do you believe that? You've got to believe that. You've got to settle that issue. Now, the truth is, in our culture, in our country, we kind of get away with not having to because there's not a lot of persecution for what we say we believe. But halfway around the world, if you profess Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, what's that going to cost you? Your life, your family, your job, your freedom. See, that's one of the reasons that the church grows like it does under persecution. Because people settle the issues. 
the core issues. And they're all in from the get-go. From the get-go. I remember meeting uh, a missionary friend over at Bill's house, and he was telling us about Bible studies. What was it, Bill? In Afghanistan. And they would set the, the safe house, and people would gather, but they would have to have someone outside on the street on a bench. And if something was kind of awry, and if things were happening, he would give the signal, and all the Christians would get up and go out the back door and just get lost in the crowd. Attending that service takes commitment. That's not a service of convenience. Right? So you've got to have some core convictions if you're going to continue on this transformative process, if you're going to continue to to yield and submit to them, some core issues have to be settled. And one of them is the resurrection. Why we're here, what this day commemorates, right? Did it really happen in the historical timeline of this planet? Because your answer to that is going to really lead into the question of the day. Well, does it matter today? See, so if you settle the issue that it happened in the timeline of Earth, then let's just go to this one. Does it matter today? Or do we just tuck the resurrection away as a cool little thing, supernatural thing, and I read it in the Bible, but that's hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and this is 2016. See, what happens is if we're not careful, there's a mindset where we, as Christians even, see our walk with Jesus as more of an ideal. And what I mean by that is you see it as, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I should be godly, but it's some kind of ideal, some nebulous sort of vision out there that we sort of aspire to and agree with, but it's an ideal. But then there's reality. And here's the real practicality of my life. And this is the rubber meets the road. This is work tomorrow morning, Scott. So, so yeah, I affirm Christianity. That's a great ideal. That's all. I want to be godly. And, and so we can... Put this big vision out there. Oh, yes, I want to be that. But then come Monday, we, we close that door and we open back up to the real world. And let's just get practical now. Is that, is that what the resurrection is about? Something that we put off in the history as part of the Christian ideal? But the resurrection has no bearing on tomorrow morning? Does the resurrection matter? Today, tomorrow, the next day. Does it? Does it? And that's what we're going to look at. And on your notes there, you see there's three different uh, broad categories I want to look at. Look at Romans 5. Does the resurrection matter? Well, it matters because we know if it didn't happen, we're still in our sins. So it matters that way, right? Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So the resurrection happened, right? We believe that. We're not wasting our time here. So, because the resurrection happened, when you put your faith in Jesus, according to Romans 5, 1, what do we have with God? 
What do we have with God? Peace. See, the resurrection matters because there's still a lot of believers out there. You're still wondering if God likes you. Now, He has to love you. But I think sometimes we struggle in this transformation because we don't really know if we have peace with God. And you know how I know that? Over the years of ministry, uh, I'll often ask people to draw a picture of God. And you know what people tend to draw? Even believers? Lightning bolts and the principal's office and all kinds of pictures of wrath and judgment. and all that. These are believers. And it makes you wonder, makes me wonder, wait, this is a believer clothed in the righteousness of Christ, sins forgiven, justified, right? Declared not guilty, fully righteous. And yet when I ask you to draw a picture of God, you throw me lightning bolts and the principles office. What does that do for your daily walk with him? How many of you would like to have a quiet time in the principal's office? See, I get that as a pastor. Have a quiet time. You need to have a quiet time. But if your picture of God is lightning bolts in principal's office, come Monday morning, no way, Jose, am I getting into that room to spend an hour of quiet time with the principal of lightning bolts, you know? Because all he's going to do is tell me how bad I've messed up. And he's going to be mad at me. And he's going to be angry at me. Why does the resurrection matter? Because through faith in Christ, you have peace with God. Everyone say peace with God. Because everyone take a deep breath. Let it out. So turn to the person and you can say, He really does love you. <laughs> he really does love you. He may not always be thrilled with your behavior and your choices. That may bum, bum him out and you may get the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You need to confess and repent. But you know what? The Bible says we're clothed in Christ. The Bible says positionally, as you sit here right now, He is pleased with you. Hmm? You, and you, and you, and you. He is pleased. Everyone say pleased. Okay. Now everyone say, He is pleased with me and point to yourself. Go ahead. He is pleased with... Oh, look at all the smiles. Look at all the smiles. See, we all came in here real serious. Let's celebrate the resurrection. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, he's pleased with me. See, we went from serious celebration to just happiness. He's pleased with me and with you. Through faith in Christ, positionally, you have peace. And so when you go to serve him, when you, when you live your life for him, it's not out of fear and being terrified of messing up. It's because you love Him back. You love Him back. So the resurrection matters because you have peace. Everyone say peace. He's right. All right. Next one, turn to Romans 6. Actually, before we do that, turn to Romans 4.25. How many of you remember on Good Friday, uh, one of the pastors talked about Jesus saying on the cross, it is finished. Remember that? Very familiar phrase. So on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished, which means paid in full, right? How do you know that God accepted that? Because Jesus said. Because <laughs> Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, right? How do you know that God accepted that the debt was paid? 
Because he raised Jesus from Doris, Doris, Doris. I'm going to give you this verse, Romans 4.25. It's a verse that probably most of us, if not all of us, just kind of glossed over because we didn't get it when we read it. Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins, right? Good Friday. And was raised to life for our what? Justification. Don't have time to go into that. What that means is if you've ever wondered, well, Jesus died for me. Yeah. If someone says, well, how do you know God accepted that payment? He raised him. That's what that verse means. Okay. I throw that in as bonus. All right. So, (laughs) Romans 6. Romans 6. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the uh, Christians in Rome. By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Word picture is basically what you saw happen with Mason. Okay? These verses are talking about when you put your faith in Jesus, you are identifying, you are identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the water baptism going under, coming up. That's what that is symbolic of. Okay? So there's, a, there's an identification, there's a union. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are now in Christ. You identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. Why does that matter? Look at verse, the end of verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, here it is, we too may what? Okay, we too may what? Live a new life. Ooh. You see, the resurrection, we affirm it. It's our conviction that it happened in the timeline of earth's history. But this verse brings it all the way to present tense. The end of verse 4 says that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may what? Live a new life. Who's Who's the we too? Everyone do this. If you're a believer. So I too may what? Live a new life. The life you and I lead today, tomorrow, every other day is connected to what? The resurrection. So, how many of us woke up today with that truth in mind? Lord, the life I want to live today, I want to live in light of the truth of the resurrection. Lord, you raised Jesus from the dead that I too may live a new life when? Now, today. So does the resurrection matter today? It does. See, what happens was, when, when you put your faith in Christ, you are in Christ. You have a union with Him. Right? You are now in a new relationship with Him. And it's that relationship that is the source of your new life. Look at verse 5, right here. Romans 6, 5. If we have united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. That word united, 
Okay? United with means to grow together. In John 15, he talks about branches in the vine. They get grafted, right? Here's, here's a great way to look at that. We are together. We are with each other in here, right? Right now, we are with each other. We're all together, collective. We are with each other, but when the service ends, we're going to separate, right? In the fellowship hall, I'm assuming there's donuts, right? Lots and lots of donuts, so come on out. Now, when those donuts, in the process of being made, there was all kinds of separate ingredients, right? But at a certain point, all the ingredients got thrown into the bowl and thrown in the oven, got baked. Is it now possible to separate those ingredients? No. That is what he's talking about when he says you're united with Christ. It's that level of intimacy. It's that union. When you are in Christ, you are that tight with Him. And then, that incredible truth, if you're a new creation, remember that? Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. What's the new creation then? You in union with who? Christ. See, when it says old, has, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. You know what that word new is? Never before existed. Never before existed. What creation has never before existed? John and Jesus together. What new creation has never existed? Garrett and Jesus together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith. Right? You know, Galatians 2.20. So what is the new creation? You as a believer in union with who? Christ. That is the new creation that has never existed before. That is supernaturally empowered to what? Live a new life. You see? The resurrection matters. The resurrection matters because you are in union with Christ. You have a never before existent relationship of union, of intimacy with Jesus who supernaturally empowers you to what? Just walk with Him. To walk in newness of life. Right? To walk. You're familiar with the walk in the Spirit? Walk? Right? Right? How many of you have ever, um, ever done a, a three-legged race? Right? Ever done a three-legged race? I don't know if I brought my rope. Scotty, you know you. You know. <laughs> I thought I brought my rope. All right. So, you remember back in the day, three-legged race, Right? They would tie the ankles together. Remember that? Remember those days? What was the biggest challenge in a three-legged race? The other guy. <laughs> the other guy, right? How many of you ever got in a three-legged race and you just were like pulling on each other and you're just like, and you looked like they, they were the problem, right? You remember that? And then suddenly you got this grand idea. Maybe. Let's count. And on one we'll step together and on two we'll take another. So, so, so it says, instead of fighting each other, right, we go, one, two, one. Remember that? Anyone ever do this? And you won like the prize, right? Remember the three? Thank you. Right? See, when you're in union with Christ, you have this union with Christ and we're to walk in the Spirit, a lot of times we just got to get in sync with Him. A lot of times our struggle in our walk with the Lord is because we're trying to get Him to move with us. Come on, Jesus. Right? 
And what's he saying? He says, whoa, time out. Let me count. And you move at my pace. That's where the rubber meets the road for many of us in our transformation. We want to go into a fast lane. And Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. On my count. Come on! They're winning! On my count. One. Two. Right? How many of us in our walk with Jesus oftentimes would just want to tell him to hurry up? Would you hurry? Would you hurry? Right? Bill? <laughs> if you don't know, Bill, Bill was uh, hit by a vehicle several, several weeks ago and is in physical recovery. And he is learning to walk at a whole different pace. And he's learning that it's a good pace. Because it's the Lord's pace. But it's not been easy, has it, Bill? Because one of Bill's biggest struggles and the same struggle we have is when we feel like we're feeling better and I got it, we want to increase the pace. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Now it's all, Jesus, keep up. Jesus, you're the hindrance, Jesus. And then he'll remind us because he'll just do this. We have a dog. I love to take my dog for walks. But I don't know for the life of me why about 50 feet from our house he just stops. You ever have a dog who just stops? It's like, I'm like come on, man. This is embarrassing. <laughs> you know? He just stops. And he, you, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to, to make him keep going away from the house. He's like, I'm done. And if I say, let's go home, oh, dude, he's there. He just wants to go home. Sometimes when we get kind of full of ourselves and we just kind of think we're cruising along, Jesus is just going to stop. He says, uh, who's in charge? Who's following who? And sometimes this walk is a walk into humility. It's a walk into brokenness. It's a walk into surrender. And that takes a while. Because many of us are large and in charge and we got it all figured out and we got our to-dos and, and our kingdoms and it's all good to go. But when we walk, start to walk with the Lord, we got the biggest challenge is to discern His pace and to be good with His pace. Isn't that a good place to be? We have peace with Him. He knows what's best for us. So maybe we should just go at His pace. Amen? And then finally, why does it matter? Turn to 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. First Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, all these truths that he just mentioned, 
Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's go back to the top, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why does the resurrection matter today and tomorrow? Because it's a living hope. Now, biblical hope is not wishful thinking. I hope I get the job. I hope I win the lottery. It's not anxiety. It's not worry. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is confident expectation that it's going to happen because God said it's going to happen. That's hope. Through the resurrection, why does it matter? Because we have a living hope. Because you're in a living relationship with the living Christ. Amen? So here's the thing. When the trials come, and Jesus said they were going to come. The resurrection matters because you and I have a living hope. We have a living hope. Every day. Before we moved to Ojai, I was at a church in Oceanside. Middle of the week, get, the, get, a, get a crisis call, ask if I can go to the church. And uh, I do, and I show up, and they ask me uh, to go speak to a family in the youth room. Turns out that there's a big family disturbance at home, and uh, the teenage boy was threatening to kill himself. And they wanted me to come and chat with him. So I show up and I and I sit and I start to talk with him, and just ask him what's going on, what's going on. And then it, it, it got to the point, and I felt comfortable enough, and I said, "Hey, man, you really want to kill yourself?" And I'll never forget this answer. He says, I just want the yelling to stop. See, one of the reasons people commit suicide is they lose hope. And so suicide becomes the only alternative in their mind because they have no hope. This young man was contemplating and even verbalizing suicide because the yelling and the arguing in his house had gotten so bad in his mind, that the only way out was to take his life. And, and I spoke with him more about hope. See, the resurrection matters because we have hope. A living hope. Not a, not a wishful thinking, but in the middle of a fiery trial, you and I have what? A living hope. Because we are in a living relationship with the living Christ. Amen? So this morning, does the resurrection matter? It does. Because you can leave here knowing you have peace with God. You can leave here knowing that He wants to help you progress in your sanctification. Just walk at His pace. Walk at His pace. In His power in His time. And then, the resurrection matters because we have a living hope. I don't know what you guys are going through. I really don't. I don't know what you're going to go through this week. One of the things in ministry is, you know, it's pretty amazing, even in a small town like this, when you've been here long enough, you see the underside of all the things that go on in the valley. And I'll be quite honest with you, without a relationship with Christ, I don't know how some people do it. 
I really don't. And, and it's those times when I get overwhelmed with what I know that I go, Lord, thank you that you are our hope. Thank you that we have you. Thank you when my world goes boop. The resurrection matters because I have a living hope, right? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing a song called Because He Lives. See, the resurrection matters because He lives. Amen? So let's pray together. We're going to sing this song and then we're going to go into communion. But here's, here's what I would like. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you have peace with God. If you don't know if you have peace with God, you can settle that issue. Father, thank you that the resurrection matters. It matters so much that it's part of the gospel. And because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, what we're doing here is not futile. It's not silly. It matters for all eternity. And if you're here this morning and you don't know if you have peace with God, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. You saw Mason demonstrate his faith through baptism this morning. And if you are here and you would say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I want to put my faith in you alone, then you just do that. You're saved by grace through faith. You receive Jesus' finished work by faith, full payment. And you know that the payment was accepted because Jesus was raised from the dead. So this morning, put your faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you realize you've been trying to get God to walk at your pace rather than submitting and yielding to Him and trusting Him for His timing relying on His power. So maybe this is a time of just confession and surrender and say, Lord, okay, I want to walk in the Spirit. I trust You with my life. I trust You with my finances. I trust You with my relationships. I want to do it Your way, in Your power and in Your timing. And maybe you're here this morning and the resurrection matters to you because you have a living hope. Maybe you're in the middle of a trial and you don't know how it's going to play out. But this morning, you've been encouraged by the truth that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we are in a living union, a living relationship with Jesus 24-7. So my prayer for you is that you would be encouraged, you would be strengthened, you would have confidence you would have hope in the living Christ this morning. So as we sing this song, Lord, we sing it as a prayer. We sing it as a statement of truth. We sing it as an affirmation of our confidence in who you are and our belief and conviction that the resurrection matters today.